welcome. Um, this is going to be about um, how rehab professionals um, can serve in short-term missions, um, educational short-term uh, missions, and mission hospitals. Um, and I'd like to start us with and then we'll get started, okay? Um, dear Lord, thank you for this time to be able to gather together and to encourage one each other and um, just to be able to learn more about opportunities to serve you. And I'm just great that you cover this session um, and that you move any hearts to um, go wherever you lead them um, and that they have the courage to go and um, that they see your footsteps toward them and they just take each step at a time. Um, okay, so um, in between us switching presenters, um, we do have a raffle for a free membership for anyone that is um, a um, wanting to be a CMBA member. Um, so we'll pass around little slips for you to be able to sign up, and we'll do that drawing um, then. Um, so I will be talking about um, different opportunities with Global Health Outreach, which is um, the short-term section of CMBA. Um, so I am um, about three and a half years out of um, school. I graduated from the University of Tennessee Health Science Center in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I have a little bit of experience in everything from um, things that I did in undergrad and then um, my internships in school. Um, started volunteering with CMBA um, last year and have gotten to go on two trips since September of last year. Um, I've been interested in missions kind of my whole life. Um, grew up um, at the age of like five or six, really just wanted to serve people, and um, medically is kind of where I ended up landing. Um, and always kind of had a heart for different cultures and wanting to know the different people groups of the world and how they're different from us and um, getting to learn from them. Um, I went through a discipleship program um, about three years, or right after I went out of school, which is about three years ago. Um, we got to walk from Genesis to Revelation and just really get to see God's heart for the nation. Um, and ended up Google searching, and that's how I found GHO. Um, and getting to use the gifts that the Lord gave me with physical therapy and getting to um, spread his word was just a really big answer to prayer. Um, so that's kind of how I got started. Um, I got to talk to Patsy, who had been to Moldova, and gave me a little bit of layout of the land and did some research on that, and then talked to Rick Sherman, who's in the back, um, who helps with a lot of the physical rehab professions in going to, um, on the GHO missions, um, to see if I would even be useful with only being two years out of school. Um, I didn't want to go and do harm. I wanted to be able to help and wanted to make sure that I was able to do that with only being two years out. Um, so, questions to consider when you go on a trip with anyone. Um, so, for me, I was looking at GHO with CNBA. Um, so, do I agree with their, their doctrine and their mission statement? Um, you want to, if you're going to serve underneath a, a group, you want to make sure that you agree with who you're serving under, because um, that's who you're following. And um, am I comfortable for them? We go along local churches and local ministries to be able to serve in that community. So. Um, are you comfortable with submitting underneath the leadership of the locals so that you can best help them um, in the way that they've seen that there's need in their communities? Um, is your goal to use your skills to be able to share the gospel? Because um, that's the purpose of most of the clinics. Like, yes, you want to be the hands and feet of 
cards to help serve physical needs, but um, the main goal is to be able to spread his name and his glory um, and use the skills that he's gifted us with. Um, so you also want to think what is the role of the therapist in your clinic. Um, so the cl- different teams have different functions. Um, when I was in Moldova, I was the only um, rehab professional. Um, when I got to the ER, I was serving on a team of four or five of us. Um, so you want to look at that, and then if you're still feeling led to go with that thing, next is there's a lot of trips to be able to choose from, so how do I choose? Um, I prayed a bunch about where the Lord was leading my heart to go, um, and do you have a heart for a specific part of the world or a specific group of people? Um, and making sure that you um, have a heart for those people, then you learn about that culture so that you can understand what you're walking into. This recording. Sorry. Um, okay, so what kind of patient population will be served? So, um, like, Monique is a pediatric therapist, um, and so she might be looking for more of a, um, in a trip that is more pediatric-focused, where, um, for me, I'm more outpatient ortho. I see a little bit of kids, but I'm not a pediatric therapist, which is very different. Um, and so I might be looking for a trip that's a little bit more adult-based or kind of the gamut. Um, so, and then if you're not sure if you have enough experience, um, get in contact with one of us or with Rick um, and just ask questions and see if you um, still feel led to go. Um, but more than likely, you have a lot more to offer than you realize. And if you're not sure, um, go on a trip where there's a team um, so that you can get to observe and watch and follow um, and if you have a willing heart, the Lord's going to prepare you in your clinical practice. Um, I remember when I went to Moldova, I was just like, I was, I remember getting on the plane and thinking, I have no idea what I've just gotten myself into. Um, I didn't know anyone I was going with. Um, I met most of my team in Vienna. I had never traveled internationally and was just kind of like, okay, Lord, here we go. Um, and he had prepared me for more situations than I could have ever even tried to prepare myself through different patients and experiences that I had had. Um, so sometimes it's not even the patients that you end up serving. It's um, I made a really good connection with my interpreter and some of the things that I'd had to walk through personally ended up being things that she had started to walk through personally um, in that kind of time that I met her. Um, so sometimes it's patients, sometimes it's the people you're serving with um, that the Lord has you there for. Um, so there's needs. There's needs everywhere. Um, there's a great need for rehab professionals. Um, CMDA and GHO don't consider um, their short-term trips complete without a rehab professional because there's a lot that we have to offer that we're trained in um, that other medical professions may know a little bit about, but that's our specialty. Um, so the different things that we need are musculoskeletal disorders, gait training, body mechanics, um, family and caregiver training. And that's one of the bigger things is making sure that the family and caregivers are trained and then also the local ministry that you're with. If you can train some of them to be able to help the people once you leave, that long-term effect can make a big difference because if they find someone in their community that has some of similar needs that of a patient that you've served, they can then teach transfer training or 
you know, wound care or pressure relief or little things that don't seem like they're a big deal but can make a big difference in quality of life, and then they're getting to serve their people and be the hands and feet once you leave Um, because they're ultimately the ones taking care of those people's souls and serving them. Um, So just going and having a willing heart and also being willing to listen to the family's needs. Um, not putting what you think their goal should be, um, but putting what what the family's goal is. And then also seeing how they're doing things already and offering your advice on how to make it maybe make it easier or showing them what they're doing and they're doing well and thanking them for doing it well. Um, I had a young man in, that he should have had pressure ulcers everywhere, but his family had taken such good care of him by moving him and transferring him and, um, so just making their life easier, but also thanking them for, for how much care and love that they've shown the people or their family members that they're caring for. Um, so your therapist's role, it can depend on the size of the team. Um, section leads have a lot more responsibility, so sometimes you're the sole therapist, sometimes you're, there might be three or four therapists, and um, if you're the person that's over them, you want to make sure that... Um, Equipment, you're going to talk to the medical lead, um, see what equipment you can get in-country, um, because if you can get it in-country, then you're not transporting it from the U.S. to that country. It can also help their local economy. Um, so that's always good if you can get it in-country, but if you can't get it in-country, see if it's possible to bring things with you, um, because that can sometimes also be a barrier with um, airlines. Um, you can a lot of times call ahead, and they'll allow you to bring extra things with you, um, and a lot of times they'll let you do it free of charge um, if, you, if you're bold enough to ask. So not all of them, but some of them. Um, so you want to make sure you talk to them and just see what the, what the situation is, and sometimes it's talking to the nationals and seeing what, what they know that the needs are so that you can bring appropriate supplies with you or try to get them in country if that's possible. Um, and as a supporting therapist, you... Basically, just follow your team lead and um, submit to their leadership and just do whatever um, is asked of you. And so that can look different just depending on what kind of trip you go on. Um, What I love about serving with GHO is you do get to, um, you partner with the local community. Um, You get to really serve, like, all of the, on the trips that I've been on, um, your interpreter is usually a young person in the local community, um, and you get to build into them while you're there. I mean, you get to learn about their culture and um, just getting to see the different parts of God's heart um, because we're all made different, but um, all in his image. And so getting to see the small little sections of his heart that you don't necessarily get to see if you're um, only here um, and getting to serve in the best way um, that the locals have found. Um, so and getting to also work with like-minded professionals um, I'm, I'm blessed that I do have a few Christians in my clinic, um, but it's also it's really neat to get to serve along others that have a really big heart for the nations um, and to just come alongside and serve others that are different from them but the same at the same time. Um, people are people, and we all just want to be loved and accepted and cared for and um, getting to see that at different levels with um, the different people groups and um so, and it's just so neat. You come in as a group of strangers and you leave as family. Um, 
I know Emma, we got to serve together. Um, she's a hope-to-be soon PT. Um, and we just, I mean, we laughed, and you would have thought we'd known each other for years, and we met that Saturday and um, still keep up with each other. Um, and then you just get to see lives impacted and um, just physical needs. Like there was one trip where you, we got to help someone get out of bed for the first time because the family was just too scared to do anything because they didn't want to hurt them. And um, someone getting to go from their bedroom to their living room for the first time in a long time. And that's, I mean, that can make a big difference in quality of life. And um, it's a gift to be able to help with that. Um, So um, Moldova, um, the picture up on the top left corner is my interpreter from there. Um, I have the blessing of still being in contact with her. Um, we get to, um, we FaceTime um, probably once a month still. Um, it's been a little over a year. And just getting to see how the Lord's using her as an interpreter has been just a joy. Um, we had, our team was about half nationals and half um, from the U.S., and then we actually had one Australian, which was also a gift. That was a prayer in disguise. I had a friend that had just moved to Australia and didn't have any community, and they ended up living 25 minutes apart in the entire country of Australia. Um, so that was um, a fun um, bonus to going. Um, and then I got to serve in the Dominican Republic on a team um, and just getting to see how people make it and survive. And, I mean, People carry people for miles to get there, and you get to, I mean, the way that they found people in for the home visits, I mean, they literally had a clipboard and a list on a small sheet of paper. There was no addresses. There was no phone numbers. It was just them being the hands and feet of Christ and already tilling the soil to know where the needs were um, of possible needs in home visits and equipment. Um, so just getting to serve alongside them and getting to build into some of the young people. Um, the bottom left corner was our team of rehab professionals and um, interpreters. Um, and as you can see, all the interpreters, were a lot of them were high school age going into college. Um, so it was really encouraging to see such young people wanting to serve the Lord in whatever way they could. Um, but yeah, so that's GHO. And um, next up is MEI. But if there's any questions that you have, be love, love to answer them. And if there's not, we'll just move on. All right, cool. Thank you. Do you have the thing in your pocket? So I'm going to talk about, um, well, Patsy and I are going to talk about uh, Medical Education International. So Medical Education International is another component of CMDA. Um, But first, my name is Monique. Um, (laughs) I graduated um, from Azusa Pacific um, University. Um, I've been practicing in pediatrics for a while, doing um, outpatient, early intervention, school-based. I have gone on several trips with GHO. Um, I consider that my re-education of adult-based, a lot of it is is adult-based, but we also have some kids that we 
um, see as well. Um, and then I've gone on a few trips with um, MEI, which is Medical Education International, um, uh, to Cuba, and we've really focused, the re- focus um, for the rehab team is on um, autism education um, for health professionals and um, parents and teachers. Um, do you want to talk about yourself? No. Okay. So Patsy will also talk. She'll talk later, and she'll tell you about herself later. <laughs> so um, like Christina said, there's a really huge need for rehab professionals um, on the mission field. I think a lot of us um, that are looking for trips, we always think um, that the mission trips are short-term or long-term, and they're mostly clinical, um, but there's also other options out there. Um, the, the, the most common when you're doing the clinical rotations, um, they're really great. You get to do a lot of outreach. You get to lo- do a lot of preaching the gospel. You get to interact with the patients a lot. Um, but I know some of the challenges and sometimes what steers us away from going on some of the clinical trips is the days are long. Um, you know, you get up early, you're working in the clinic all day, you're seeing a, a lot more patients than you would here in the States um, on a daily basis. Sometimes um, it is difficult to gather equipment when you go on the clinical trips um, and trying to bring it over, um, like Christina said, is sometimes a challenge. Um, fundraising and also trying to, um, you know, get your schedule together. So MEI is just another option for us. Um, It's an educational-based mission trip. You're not doing – sometimes there are some hands-on sessions that you can provide, but it's not clinical-based. So it's also short-term, one week. The teams are a lot smaller than the um, GHO trips. Um, And your days are shorter – I would say it's a lot um, slower pace than the clinical trips. And so if you're thinking that maybe the clinical trips like, oh, nine-hour days, it's going to be rough, I may be the only therapist, um, there's other options out there for us. And the benefit of um, what I really like about MEI is that um, there, are, there are a variety of options of trips for us to um, go on. And a lot of the work is done up front when you're preparing your, your lesson um, and your, your lectures of what you're going to teach. And when you actually get in country, um, you actually kind of get to relax a little bit. You get to listen to other people's lectures. Um, and one of the benefits that I really um, like about MEI is that one of the focus is focus of the organization is to teach the healthcare providers, so that way they can teach or, and help their own patient population. Whereas when we work with, um, when we're doing our clinical trips, we're interacting primarily with the patients. We don't get to interact with um, the physicians as much or the, the parents as much if we're, if we're treating a child. And we go and we provide healthcare and then we leave and we don't really have an idea of how the, that patient is doing. Whereas with MEI, we really, we're really interacting with those that are going to be interacting with the patients, and we're teaching them um, skills that can help their patients long-term. Um, so that's kind of one of the focuses of MEI. Um, so this is, these are some pictures of Cuba. Um, we were taking a, a break from a movement break after one of our lectures. Um, but we also get to... Um, 
teach the, the, the therapist and the health professionals and the parents hands-on training about, um, this I think was, um, they were learning about a speech device. Um, but we also, and maybe in not all of the countries, but there's also an evangelism component to MEI, um, which sometimes um, you may not think there is because you're really just talking um, with the health professionals. But in Cuba, we, um, we have a great partnership with um, the Baptist Church there, and so we do get to do a lot of fellowships. We get to go onto the hospital wings and evangelize with the patients and share the gospel and, and provide Bibles for them. Um, we also get to provide support to the healthcare system, and um, we also do a lot of hands-on demonstration, which is what, um, as a clinical therapist, I really enjoy is um, doing the hands-on and, and teaching others how to help themselves. Um, so that's just kind of a little bit of background. Patsy's going to go in a little more detail when she tells some stories about um, some of her, uh, her experiences. We're a little like a tag team, <laughs> and we're just passing the baton from one to the other, but it's been a real joy at this conference to get to work with uh, other therapists and just to represent a new section within the Christian Medical Dental of our Christian Physical Rehab Professionals, and we hope that many of you will get to know a little bit more about us and maybe join us. So I'm just going to go back a little bit to tell you my background. Okay, there I am. So I'm a graduate of Northwestern University. I'm currently retired, which is a real plus, having more opportunities for short-term mission trips. Uh, my short-term mission trips have primarily been with Wheels for the World and also with medical education. And I had the joy of being with my husband on five, 12 different um, MEI trips to a number of different countries. And in particular, uh, it's great to see the MEI people, there's their banner, here in great force, uh, Sherry, who's the director, and John Coppas, who's the associate director, all volunteers, and Missy Carter, our uh, CMDA staff person. So they're here to... Uh, let us know that MEI is important too. So all of us have something to share on the mission field. Let me move to that slide. Okay. Your training and your opportunities here in the U.S. are very different and probably exceed those that are on the mission field. You may not be in academic medicine, you may not feel that your strength is in teaching, and yet those of you that are in a rehab field are teaching. You're teaching one-on-one -on -one with your patients, with your patients' families every day. So you are a teacher, and it's just a matter of teaching in a different situation. And you may feel like it's risky to move out of your comfort zone. And indeed, it can be. I like this quote that I read from Madeline Hunter. She's an educator, and she's considered one of the 100th most influential women of the 20th century. And this is what she said. 
If you want to feel secure, do what you already know how to do. If you want to be a true professional and continue to grow, go to the cutting edge of your competence, which means a temporary loss of security. So whenever you don't know quite what you're doing, then realize that you're growing. So now I'm going to be sharing a little bit about some of the patient stories from Mbingo Baptist Hospital. And in our audience today is Nancy Palmer, who is a career missionary to Mbingo. Is it about 42 years now, Nancy? 42 years that you've been... But we only lived there about 25. Oh, okay. (laughs) So there are many uh, lessons that can be learned from the opportunities of working with nationals. And many of you in this audience are well experienced in working on the mission field, and you know these for yourself, and you could be up here speaking. But first of all, to realize that you have a lot to learn from the nationals. The therapists at Mbingo do all kinds of things that therapists don't even do in the U.S., So we have a lot to learn. So just to come in any attitude where you're going with an attitude to learn because you'll learn a lot from them. Realize that there's ways that you'll be able to contribute. Maybe it's part of the medical team. Maybe it's with some allied health. But also you'll have incredible life experiences. I mean, where else can you go and learn how to pull up peanuts from the ground? You know, it's not things that you learn on tours. It's just some of the fun byproducts of being in a country. You also have the opportunity to support and encourage missionaries that are on the field and or programs. And in the end, you might come to realize that the person who's most transformed is you. And so... The motto or the vision of MEI is teaching to transform. So literally, the person transformed might be you. It is good to know that God does not waste any of our experiences. And one of my favorite Bible verses is from Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for us in advance to do. So some of the lessons that I've learned by being with MEI and just on the field is that you may only see the person one time. So think about what can you impart in one session that could be lasting. And uh, when when possible, just incorporate uh, the national staff and definitely the family members into whatever home program you develop for them. And when it's possible, bring equipment with you that might be useful to that clinic or that setting. So my first friend that I'll tell you about is Promise. He was well-named. When he came to the PT department, he came on his mother's back, And here he is pictured as a seven-year-old, so he was not a light load on his mother's back. He had no mobility, and as is in the case on many mission trips in other countries, you won't know what the diagnosis is. 
you just see the resulting situation. And so in Promise's case, he had quadriparesis with more involvement on the left. He spent all of his time on the ground. And he had a little bit of an army crawl, but otherwise no sitting balance, no ability to move on his own. And so with uh, developing a home program, he also, because he was um, relatively close to the hospital, he could come back for outpatient visits. But at that initial instruction, um, I worked with the Nationals and with Promise just on some of the home program. And you can see there his mother is working with him to make sure that she understands the program. And on the plus side, when I got the opportunity to see Promise again the following year, it was such a delight to see that his family had been following through with the program. And on this last visit that I had, Promise said, I want to walk. So he has high goals for himself. One of the other special blessings on that first visit in uh, 2016 was Promise was given a wheelchair. So for the very first time, Promise had the opportunity to be off of the ground. He could feed himself with that lap tray, and he could use his hands, you know, situated up on that tray. So what a delight for this young little guy to be able to roll himself out of his home and be outside. He couldn't have crawled out there before or, you know, army dragged himself. So as you see on the repeat visit, he's still fitting his wheelchair well, and uh, it was just such a pleasure to see him. The next little gal is named Tiffany. She's a three-year-old. Again, not knowing too much about her diagnosis, but knowing that she had left side weakness in her leg. She had an ankle deformity, and she had insufficient ankle dorsiflexion to lift up her foot. And so one of the uh, cascade braces was fit to her by an orthodist on site. He did a beautiful job fitting her. And in, with a Cameroonian-style walker, she was able to take her first independent steps. So there's just so many gratifying experiences being over there. The next person to tell you about is Mildred. Mildred had been injured in a vehicle accident. They used motorcycles a lot, and a lot of accidents happened. She had a head injury. She was recovering from being in a coma for a couple months, and this was one of her first trips as an outpatient to the department. She was just beginning to work on standing balance, and um, she's there with one of the other therapists. She hadn't really started to walk, and also with her left-sided hemiplegia, she had no active motion with that left arm, but was just beginning to do some range of motion, some active assist, uh, uh, assisted exercise. So Things change, and recovery happens. And there's Mildred. When I returned, a nurse came to the department, and she just stood there like I should know her. Well, <laughs> I didn't know her, but she says, I'm Mildred. You saw me when I had just come out of the coma. And there she was, back working full-time at Mbingo Baptist Hospital as an RN. So God can do amazing things. 
So just to end, uh, it's just wonderful to know that God can use all of our skills on the mission field. If we have a heart to serve and a willingness to take a risk, there's a place for us. Uh, There's just a little uh, information about where you can go if you would like to learn more or perhaps just get your name into the database. Um, This is the website for, for how to apply. And you might not know if you fit into a trip specifically that would use your skills But the way to go about it, and John is the one who coordinates uh, matching people with the trips, is if you're willing to just get get your name online in the database, then when trips are coming up, they try to give you lots of notice so that if it's a spot that fits your interest, just as Monica has found, Monique, sorry. (laughs) I worked with Monica for many years. Uh, Monique found a spot for her gifts. Um, God has a special place for your gifts as well. And if you just get your information in there, then the staff will let you know when there's a a trip coming up that can use you. Are there questions? And thank you so much for being here today. Just one thing that I wanted to add. um, Like, sometimes you may be thinking, um, well, what am I going to be teaching when I go on these trips? Um, I remember my first time, like, I was like, okay, well, I have no clue what I should be teaching somebody or what they should be learning. But you really stay in contact with your team leader who is in contact with the in-country contract, and they will tell you, they will speak to the healthcare professionals, and they will tell you what they really want to know. And then that's how you kind of come up with your your topic. Um, you don't necessarily just have to try to pick up a topic and like, all right, well, what should I teach them? Because I don't really know what they know already. Um, but you re- it's a really collaboration about um, what they want to learn because they're getting CEUs for some of this as well. Um, so um, that kind of helps with the topic. Well, it looks like I can't... Well, first of all, I think we have to unmute this. Is that right? That's better. Good. Um, And I can't roam around much because I'm tethered, but I'm going to roam around a little bit if that's okay with you guys. Thank you for coming today. This is awesome. I want to say a quick shout-out to our colleagues at Southeastern Christian Church. Um, This is my first time being here. I, I texted my wife and said... I've lived in towns that are smaller than this church. You know, I've eaten in restaurants that are smaller than their cafe. This is amazing. And the way you guys have served us is just so incredible. Thank you guys for coming. I want to say a special word of thanks to my colleague Monique. Uh, Monique's from Southern California, L.A., uh, where it is right now 63 degrees and 7 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be 90 today in L.A. So... Uh, there you go. There you go. So thank you guys for uh, braving the uh, Arctic uh, of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about mission hospitals. Um, I, I need to make a quick promo about um, uh, CMDA's CPRP section, or relatively new section for therapists. So um, if you're a therapist in the room and you haven't yet connected with what's the largest uh, organization of Christian rehab professionals, um, I would urge you to be a part. Uh, y- you just get some support for some folks of like heart. 
who do the kinds of things that uh, you do. So, um, so there's my promo, because then the rest of this has nothing to do with CMDA. Um, so we're going to talk about mission hospitals. Um, I'm Skip Roy. Uh, you don't need to know blah, blah, blah. And, you know, well, here's the thing you do need to know, um, because we're in Kentucky. Duke um, is actually a basketball team that has associated with it some professors and other people that teach stuff. But I just want you to know that, uh, you know. So uh, all the rest of this, blah, blah, blah. The thing, uh, I, um, I was the rehab manager in our health system for a thousand years. Um, I'm a hospital guy. And so these guys who are um, out in outpatient world, I do a little of that now in, in my uh, post uh, Kind of, sort of retired, not really um, yet, uh, life, but I'm a hospital guy. And so that's why we're going to talk about mission hospitals. I do volunteer at a couple of safety net clinics um, in our community. So there I see some outpatients. But um, um, I'm not sure I'm really good at it, but I'm the only guy they've got, so they're stuck. Um, and then there's all the disclaimer, blah, blah, blah. I haven't figured out how to make any money on this. So, um, yeah, <laughs> if any of you have suggestions, that's great. But uh, All right, so let's talk. Um, here's what we're going to talk about. I want you to know some things about the principles in ministry, whether it is with um, a GHO or MEI or in a mission hospital, whatever. We're going to talk a little bit about the general landscape of mission hospitals, um, what do you need to do before you go, um, uh, some of the ways hospitals are a little bit different than the U.S. you think, um, and then uh, some things that uh, you might get exposed to in a mission hospital in another part of the world that you'd never think of doing here in the U.S., um, and then I want to give you a look at what God is up to when it comes to mission hospitals in the future. So here we go. Uh, by the way, um, not all mission hospitals are in Africa, so don't be fooled by the African back background. And in fact, um, here's, but here's some principles um, if you're going to be involved in mission. Number one, be certain of your calling. Did God really call you to do this? Now, we're all called to make disciples. We're all called to share the gospel. Um, Matthew 28 is pretty plain about that. We're all called to preach. Um, you know, Paul told Timothy, be ready, preach wherever, whenever, whether it's convenient or not. Um, but we're not all called to minister in the developing world. So be sure of your calling. Here's why. Um, there will be hard times. Um, and there will be those days um, when it is uh, tough. Um, if you haven't been out to the CMDA website, the new CEO, Dr. Mike Chubb, has a video out there, um, and he tells the story of a Sunday afternoon in a mission hospital when uh, it was a low point for him. Um, anything that could go wrong did go wrong, and he was ready to go to his wife to say, pack up, we're going home. So there will be tough times. Um, and we're not all called to serve in mission hospitals. This is a phrase that I keep running into. Um, I don't know that it's sped like that in the Scripture, but it's, but it's there. Don't dart in the dark what God has shown you in the light. Be sure of your calling, and when the dark day comes, remember what God called you to. All right. Some other things. Don't substitute ministry for personal time with the Word and with Jesus. If you heard Kyle Edelman yesterday morning, same deal. Don't substitute productivity for being connected. And this is a mistake I've made more than once. Well, we're here involved in ministry. We're really busy. I am really tired. Yada, yada, yada. Don't let ministry take the place of time with the Lord. When ministering outside of the U.S., check American at the door. Um, 
be extremely careful don't to judge cultural differences and especially work ethic. Um, in Africa, in Kenya, as an example, there are a couple of phrases I had to learn. One, Kenyans will say, God gave Americans watches and God gave Kenyans time. Um, they say, time is like air. There's plenty of it. I'm sure that's how you live your lives. That's not how I live my life. And, uh, and so check American at the door for sure. Be careful to care for your body um, and your emotions, uh, especially if this is your first time. You are not Superman or Superwoman. If you drink the water, you probably will get sick. Now, let me offer the disclaimer. God can do anything. And if God's commissioned you on ministry... Um, he will take care of you. Um, you and I got here today to South Asian Christian Church, and who knows what didn't happen to you this morning that could have. You know, the, in, in North Carolina where I uh, live, um, stoplights are more like suggestions. Than, uh, and so um, and the fact that I get to work every day without getting T-boned is a small miracle. So God can do anything. But... But be uh, reasonable. Uh, you may be seven time zones away. You will probably be tired. Um, a general principle, it takes a day per hour of time. If you're heading um, east, it takes um, a, a, a day per hour to recover. Coming back, it's a little less, but not much. So be aware of that. Your body will be exposed to stuff your immune system has never seen before. Um, you don't know what dengue fever is, or your immune system has never seen it. If you can't pronounce the name of the food, you probably have not eaten it. And, um, and so just be aware of those kinds of things. Pace yourself. Take breaks when you need them. 100 degrees is hot. And maybe except in Southern California. I don't know. Maybe L.A. is different. But uh, it's hot, so uh, you will get tired. So just some general things. Um, landscape of mission hospitals in the world. How many are there? We don't know. WHO does not track it. First, you have to figure out what is a mission hospital, you know, and how do you define it? And then uh, who doesn't track it? Um, we don't know. Um, uh, some mission hospitals were mission hospitals to start with. Now they're government hospitals. So who knows what they are? Samaritan's Purse, just one sending agency, sends to over 55. So we know there are, and, and, and I've talked to some of you even here in the room, with other organizations that support or help staff mission hospitals. So who knows how many there are? We don't know. A bunch. And so um, SP is just one agency. The, um, the, the Baptist Church uh, has mission hospitals. The Your denomination probably has some. Uh, who knows? So anyway, they exist all over the developing world wherever uh, sharing the gospel is allowed. They probably exist in places where sharing the gospel isn't allowed, but we just can't talk about it very much. This is just a list of, uh, don't, don't worry about the detail, this is just SP's list of these are the hospitals we support. I think 54, 55 on that list. So, you're going to go, God's calling you to minister in a mission hospital. How do you figure out who to go with and what should you pay attention to? Does the agency have experience in the country? You heard um, Christina talk about GHO, Patsy and Monique talk about uh, MEI. These are organizations that have experience in country. They won't do stupid stuff and, um, and get you into trouble. Can the agency help with travel in and out of country? Uh, you, you probably will be responsible for the cost of your travel, but can they help you? Can they make recommendations? Um, the last time I went to a mission hospital a few months ago, um, God just orchestrated, hey, why don't you contact so-and-so airline? I contacted them. They said, 
yeah, we'd love to fry you for free. That's what we do. And so, uh, so that kind of stuff. Can they help you get a visa you need? <clears throat> How about a work permit? Do you need it in the country? If, uh, if, do you need a temporary medical license if you're going to work in the hospital? Uh, what kind of uh, immunization and disease prophylaxis advice do they have? Are you going to a malaria zone where you should take malaria prophylaxis and plan on um, sleeping under a mosquito net? <clears throat> and, and that kind of thing. Safety and security is huge especially in the world we live in today. I know um, GHO, as part of CMDA, has had to cancel some trips. Samaritan's Purse has had to cancel trips that were already planned because things went south. My wife <coughs> takes great comfort in knowing that the, um, the insurance that is required <coughs> excuse me, for me to go on a mission trip includes insurance for the repatriation or whatever of remains. So if I'm killed overseas, she gets a million bucks to get my body back to the States. Now what she will do is call and say, oh, just bury him there <laughs> and send the check. Uh, uh, <laughs> she's great. Don't, don't get me wrong. My first trip to a mission hospital um, halfway around the world and, um, and I came back and was telling her a story. And, and in this particular hospital at the time, therapy didn't work on the weekends. And so she said to me, okay, you flew halfway around the world. We spent several thousand dollars, and you took the weekend off. So I've not done that since, you know. All right. Um, are there special requirements in the hospital? You saw that list from Samaritan's Purse. Some hospitals don't have good interpretation services available, and so they would ask that if you're going to Congo, you speak French. Um, whatever the particular requirement might be. Just the sending agency, if they're really on top of things, will know that. Um, is there a place for you to stay or will you be sleeping in a tent under a tree? Um, and then can they help you with fundraising? In fact, um, some organizations want you to fundraise not because you need the money. You may be filthy rich. I don't know. But because you give other people the opportunity to participate with you. Don't deprive them of the opportunity. If they can't go to Hospital Hope in Togo, they can be involved by supporting you going. All right. How are they different? Well, um, in the U.S., we have migrated toward an emphasis on comfort versus care. <clears throat> It's not always a luxury in a mission hospital. Care comes first. So this is an example of what award. You'd never see this much in the U.S. anymore. This is award um, in a, a mission hospital. Rarely will you find a semi-private room, an isolation room. <clears throat> in this particular hospital, this is Tenwick Mission Hospital in Kenya, um, they will bunk two or three patients in a bed if necessary. So uh, to say it's a 300-bed hospital in the U.S., that means something. Um, in, the, in the developing world, not so much. Um, here are some other things. Equipment may be donated. So um, it, it, monitors and ventilators may be different. You can see this is an ICU. Um, you can see um, that. Um, I know this works somehow. There it is. Um, so you can see uh, the monitor on the wall. You probably don't recognize it. We haven't used those in the U.S. in a, a million years. But um, And if you could see other monitors, they'll be different. So just expect that you may be encountering equipment that's different than you're used to. That's fine. Um, <clears throat> limited assistive devices if you're in therapy. Don't expect that you're going to have everything that you're used to in the U.S. Um, as um, Christina has shared and, and uh, Patsy and Monique, um, you can figure out how to get stuff done without that. Um, 
nursing staff may not have quite the same uh, training, especially in patient mobility. That's okay. That's why you're there. Um, regular hand washing. Uh, look for opportunities to try to keep clean. But just know um, that the standard in the U.S. is a little harder to implement sometimes in other places. Don't expect medical specialists or subspecialists. Um, isn't it crazy? Um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, there were, um, you know, there were medicine docs and there were surgeons and that was pretty much it. And today, um, you know, there are right kidney specialists and left kidney specialists. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, and so um, don't expect that to be there. So you, you may not have the resource you're used to here in the U.S. Um, therapy staff may have a different level of training than you are have. Don't be freaked by that and, and, and don't, don't, don't judge that. Just be, go and be helpful. Um, best practice may be modified by some cultural standards. Some of you remember um, back in um, 2014 the Ebola epidemic in, uh, in, uh, in uh, uh, West Africa, um, Sierra Leone, uh, Liberia. Uh, if you have not had the opportunity to view um, or purchase uh, the DVD called Facing the Darkness, it's the story of uh, at least Samaritan's Purse response to that Ebola crisis. Uh, you remember um, two um, American missionaries, Dr. Kent Brantley and Nancy Rowell, actually contracted Ebola there, were flown back to Emory University where they got well. So, it, so here's what happened in uh, Liberia. Um, um, both Samaritan's Purse and MSF, uh, you know that Doctors um, Without Borders, um, were uh, kind of first on the ground. Um, in Liberia, you know, or if you know anything about Ebola, first of all, Lots of people die. The, uh, the, the um, death rate is about 50%, the last statistics I saw. Um, so it's really serious stuff. And in Liberia, the culture is very family-oriented, very friendly, collegial. Uh, SP and MSF went in to say, if your mama has Ebola, you cannot hug your mama. And that was heresy. Um, and, uh, in fact, there were death threats against um, American medical missionaries in Liberia. They were almost as in much danger from the Liberians when they were trying to say, you cannot hug you mama, you will get sick and you might die. Um, so be aware of cultural differences that may modify what you think is best practice. Okay? Um, and then here are some things that you might get involved in. Um, uh, one of my colleagues is here in the room. I don't remember whether, uh, Leanne, whether you and I did this, or, but um, uh, I put a halo on the patient. Where would that ever happen in the U.S. without a neurosurgeon or an orthopedic surgeon be involved? Um, had the opportunity to, to set some both form forearm fractures, um, both with lidocaine, and then, then if the guy looks like he's tough enough or the girl looks like he's tough enough, just reduce it. We would never do that in the U.S. Um, and we certainly wouldn't do it without a C-arm. Looks good to me. Okay, good. Cast it. Um, so just know. Now, having said that, um, you know, Crutchfield tongs we did. Um, you never have to be pressed into performing something you don't feel good about. So do not, do not, remember that whole thing, first do no harm. So um, if you uh, don't feel good about it, don't do it. But know that you probably have more skill. Both um, Patsy and Christina um, talked about that. And um, I just got the signal we're going to be fast. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, know that you know more than you do. All right. 
So uh, you may be the most capable person around to do what you think. Okay, uh, last thing, and this video, if it works, it depends on the quality of the Internet connection, so we'll just see. But I want you to know something about mission hospitals. Our God is a very big God. You know that. Great is the Lord. Greatly to be praised. Mission hospitals can be a lot more than a grass hut with a cock. I just want you to know that. God is at work around the world, and amazing things are happening. Um, so this is a, a video shows the Billy Graham Memorial Cardiovascular Center. Um, it's state-of-the-art in the world. Let's see if, um, if we have a decent connection. This will work. If we don't, um, let's see if it will. And, uh, yeah, and uh, you'll get to listen. I want to point to one thing as we get toward the end. It's only two or three minutes. Watch that, and then there's more. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with a sing. Watch that. And then that. All right. And, and the point of showing you that was simply to know that mission hospitals don't have to be a grass hut with a cot. That is being built as we speak. It just won an international award for the most energy efficient design in the building anywhere in the world. Powered by a hydro plant, solar panels, Kenya Power and Light, diesel, everything runs through a battery. And my um, thousand bed health system in Raleigh, North Carolina, the power goes down, the generators spool up, you're in the dark for 10 seconds. There, no seconds. Everything comes through the battery. You don't even know it happened. So mission hospitals don't have to be grass huts with a cot. And God is at work doing really cool things. So lots of agencies to volunteer with, um, not just Samaritan's Purse, not just with CMDA, other agencies. So if you're thinking, praying about going, um, I'd sure encourage you to do that. We have about five minutes for questions about any of the presentations. Am I correct on that? Five minutes? Yep. Good. If you have any questions about, for any of us, Monique or Patsy or Christina.
Questions? Yes, ma'am. Yes, um, good question. Thank you. Um, yes, uh, SP as a sending agency would like you to go for two weeks because, frankly, if you're going to go halfway around the world, you're going to be pretty useless for the first few days anyway, and then it would be nice to know where the bathrooms are. So they would like at least for an initial experience for you to go for two weeks. After that, um, even less. That's just one sending agency. Some others might say a week would be great. I would encourage you to think about where you're going. If you're going eight time zones away or nine time zones away, um, you're going to be toast for the first few days. If you go for a week, you'll get to be about useful by the time you're ready to fly home. Thank you. That's a good question. Anything else? Yes, sir. Please. Um, I told Jack he could... Um, He's not going to ask a question. He's going to recruit. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yes, we have uh, three major hospitals, and to answer your question, we have uh, all three of them are in real need of physical therapy, uh, two in Togo, one in Bangladesh. Uh, that would be any amount of time, as you're saying, one, two weeks to the rest of your life. Uh, any amount of time. <laughs> the latter preferred, but if you can't do that, then... <laughs> short-term team trips, and um, our, our agency, ABWE, we, we go to about 15 countries. Small teams, uh, three to five, six people. Uh, we'd love to have physical therapists along and uh, work out of the same model as uh, uh, the CMDA, work with local churches. It's a medical evangelism trip, and um, we, we love to have physical therapy. I have... Literature. If you want to check with Jack. And if you're a PT in the room um, and you um, and you are praying about mission trip, if you don't know where to go, you're just living under a rock. And I was doing that for a long time. There are so many opportunities. Sorry, check. One last thing. We're starting a prosthetics in our South Togo Hospital. We absolutely need physical therapy. Absolutely. Other questions? Yes. Uh, what are the costs in general in country on average? I know you have to use different places. It's different, so let me tell you my own experience, but this is just an example. Um, if I volunteer at Tenwick Mission Hospital, um, I have to get to Nairobi. Um, then usually, because flights into Nairobi um, come in at night, you spend the night in Nairobi at a guest house or an inexpensive hotel um, then there's transportation to the hospital, four-hour drive, $150 U.S. each way. At the Mission Hospital, there is a visitor's quarters. They provide, a, by developing world standards, pretty nice efficiency apartment, two meals a day. It's $22 a night. Um, there's a little cost, $56, I think, for a visa. Um, the medical license situation changes in the developing world like every 47 minutes, I think. So uh, it's just amazing. So I've paid as much as $250 for a medical license or zero. So, and that's pretty much it. Um, some, we have some flyers here on the table for um, MEI Amphigia oh, good. that has a list of um, some of like the average costs depending on, on where you're going to go. Um, and a lot of it depends on that, that flight component. Um, and then we also have some business cards and stuff like that. Each trip is different, but it's usually ranging 
the closer you go, it's probably in the 1500 versus, you know, the further you go, the project fee is more ranging towards um, 2500 without without the flight. Perfect. And, and it's all inclusive. And the and transportation area. So oh, yeah. Let me ask, tell you one other thing, then we're going to do the drawing. Yes, don't go away, Mike. Uh, um, so, airlines. Um, I, I'm, not the, um, I'm not the marketing uh, arm of Emirates Airlines. But this year, I got wind of maybe I sent an email to the Emirates Foundation saying, I'm a PT, here's what I'm getting ready to do. I'm going to take care of some adults and some kids. What do you think? They responded in one minute and said, this is what we do. Here's an application to fill out. Um, it took me five minutes because I had to get up and go to the bathroom. Otherwise, it would have taken two minutes to fill it out. I sent it to them again in one minute. They responded. They said, this is exactly what we do. We'll, we, we, you've given us your preferred dates and times. We'll send you your tickets in the morning. So from Raleigh, I had to fly to Dulles, an Emirates hub, and the rest of the trip was free. So I can't, I'm not marketing Emirates. Other airlines may do the same as Christina said, and I think Monique and Pat, be bold and just ask. What's the worst they can do? Say no? Okay, you're already there. So if they say, well, maybe, that's a step forward. All right, Monique. You got the mic. I got the mic. So we, as PT, OT speech people who are interested came by our, our CMDA booth. Um, they filled out a little uh, thing that is a drawing for a free year membership in CMDA. And so Monique's got the bucket. Are you going to have someone uh, draw from it? Yeah, we're just going to randomly pick someone who's going to reach in. And uh, Leanne won't win because she's already a CMDA member, so she can do that. All right. What you got, Leanne? Is there someone by that name in the room? Okay, we're going to call her and let her know. Thank you guys so much. I know we're over time, and uh, you guys want to tell us.